Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Stephen Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Last couple of weeks, we've uh, been looking at uh, prophecy in relationship to our own country, the Nine Arbingers, and then we've uh, we've talked about some very interesting things to help spur. Uh, our mindset, and get us focused on the day that we're living in. And uh, to some, it's very scary. And when we do think about the tribulation period and the devastation that will be coming upon the face of the earth through the judgments of God and through the anger and animosity of the Antichrist, uh, it, it should put some trepidation inside of us. But to the church... It's also a time of excitement because the bride is just about ready to get married. The bridegroom is ready. The bride is a, has made herself ready. And so tonight I want to just take a, a few moments and I, I just want to talk to you. And I, I know sometimes people say, well, Brother Kylie, when you get on a tangent, you just keep going and going and going. You know, it's like uh, you've been talking about this for a long time. But I really feel that God has put it in my heart to talk about it till we believe it. And uh, I'm going to be reading a lot of scripture tonight. If you've got your Bibles, uh, you can try to keep up with me. I have my scriptures printed, so I may go a little faster than uh, you can keep up with. But I want to start with 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter, verse 13. And let's stand one more time as we read this. I'm going to be reading from different versions, and one of the versions I've chose to read from tonight is the Phillips version, and we don't really spend much time in there, but I wanted to glean a few things from that translation. Uh, 1 Timothy 4.13, Paul's writing, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Until I come, devote yourself to public reading of the scripture, to preaching and teaching. For it's by the foolishness of preaching that God would save the lost. And it's through the spoken word of God that comes forth through his anointing that it stirs up our conscience and stirs us up to do good. Lord Jesus, tonight I pray that in the next few minutes that we have together, that you would speak to us through your word. Lord God, that you would put it in our hearts, the time that we're living in, the crucial time for each one of us, and why we're here. And I want to just give you the praise in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. One of the scriptures uh, that we come across in in prophecy when we're starting to look at the book of Revelation, right out in the first chapter, only three verses in, John writes these words. He says, Blessed is he who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written therein, for the time is near. Very close to what Paul said. Speak it out. And again, John, read these words aloud. And those that, are, those that hear and who keep what's written, they're in. For the time is near. And I know that it goes on to say they'll be blessed through the hearing of the word. Now, the purpose of my study tonight is not to scare you but to meditate a little bit on some of the scriptures that Jesus gave us in the Mount of Olives discourse in helping his disciples prepare for what was going to come upon the face of the earth. Preparing not only their minds, but also preparing his, their hearts to be ready when he returned. I was, I was thinking about uh, something as I was preparing this, and Matter of fact, 
I put this as my title for this message. Um, Ready or not, here I come. Now, if you're a kid at heart, you probably said those words when you were younger, or maybe you still do if you play with your kids. But I remember saying those words, playing a simple game called kick the can. See, when we were kids, we didn't have electronic computers and things like that. What we got to play with was with what was left over after dinner. You know, the corn can, well, here's our our toys tonight. We're going to take it out underneath the street light. We're going to go get about 10, 15 guys or girls, and we're going to play kick the can. And we centered that can right underneath the street light. And the object of the game was for for people to hide. And for the person that was guarding the can, he was the keeper of the can, His goal was to call out someone before they kicked it. And if they got caught before he could, I forget if he had to tag him or what. I can't remember. It's been so long ago. They they had to get there before he could get to them. And before uh, he went looking for people to spy them out, he would say, ready or not, here I come. And tonight... From heaven, the Lord is saying that to us. Ready or not, here I come. Now, to some people, when you had a lot of people, there wasn't a lot of places to hide. And I tried to hide behind a garbage can, which was at the end of the driveway, and then I'd get over there, and somebody was already there. And i say, oh, rats. Because once he started it and he called you out, you had to guard the can the next time. And I look around us today in the world and I know there are some that are ready and there are some that are not. I think about the disciples as Christ ascended into heaven. They watched him ascend on the Mount of Transfiguration and they stood there and the angels had to sort of snap them out of it because they were remembering things that had happened. As he went up into the clouds, they were remembering the miracles. They were focused on this this transfiguration of, of the miraculous. But they had forgotten that he had commanded them not to tarry there, but to go into Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. They were focused in the wrong direction. They should have been focused towards Jerusalem. And the angels said, why stand you here gazing? Go on into Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. I wonder tonight if we were to look inside our minds and hearts, if the cry of our heart tonight would be, Come, Lord Jesus. Would that be what our heart would cry out? Or would it be the negative, Oh, let's just wrestle here on earth another day. Or... Would some say, oh Lord, just let me indulge in my my flesh a little longer and then I'll repent. I remember I was uh, 21, 22 years old. Actually, I got married when I was 25. And I prayed, Lord, please don't come until I have a chance to get married. I really felt he was coming soon and I said, I really want to be married. And now it's been... Oh, no, she's here, and I have to get the number right. 36 years, somewhere around there. Happy years. (laughs) Will the end of this age strike you tonight with hope and joy, or will you be smitten by dread? Now, I'm going to read some, a lot of scriptures tonight, and in this Olivet Prophecy, I want to take some of the words that Jesus has mentioned, and if you have a pen and paper, write down these words, because you'll be very um, excited to see how he speaks to the church through this discourse. Um, 
the disciples are asking him, Lord, tell us in advance, what are the signs of thy coming and of the end of the age and then the end of the earth? And the purpose for the written word and the spoken word is not to bring about speculation or obsession or bring division, but it's meant to bring about repentance. It's supposed to bring about holiness or separation from the world. The spoken word is given to us to increase our faith. Now, Joel Joel and Paul and John and Peter all spoke through the Spirit to help us prepare ourselves for the day that we're living in. I'm going to start with Matthew, the 24th chapter. I'm reading from the NIV, verse 3 to 9. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, and here I want you to write these two words down. Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. But, and here's the next thing you could write. See to it that you are not alarmed. Don't panic. Such things must happen. But the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death and you'll be hated by all nations because of me. Now, this, this Olivet Discourse, if I could call it that, is interwoven between Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the three Gospels. So I'm going to be jumping between Matthew and Mark and Luke, trying to keep in sequence chronological order in this, in this discourse. We go to verse 10 again in Matthew 24. At that time, many will turn away from the faith. And they'll betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase in wickedness, the love of, and I I looked at this version, the NIV version, the love of most will grow cold. Now the King James Version says the love of many. The NIV, you translate it, the love of most will grow cold, which goes along with what the Lord said, straight is the way and narrows the gate, and few there be that find it. And here's what you can write down next, but he who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. I want to point out to you that It says, he who endures to the end. If I'm enduring something, I'm fighting my way through something that I'm not enjoying. I've never endured a good meal. I've enjoyed a good meal. I've endured. You ever have, I went into the dentist on Monday and I had a a bone spur growing out of my gum. And so they had to cut the gum and grind the bone on my jaw to get rid of the spur. I endured that. (laughs) And this gospel, the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. Now notice that Matthew mentions that twice. And years and years ago, we thought, well, how could the whole gospel be preached at the same time to the whole world? You know, I can can video conference with somebody in Beijing tonight. I can can talk to any place in this world uh, via satellite, through technology. Now I jump to the Phillips version in Mark, the 13th chapter, verse 11. And I'm going to start in the middle of that verse. 
And here are the next three words. Do not worry beforehand about what you are going to say. Simply say the words you are given when the time comes, for it is not really you who will speak, but the Holy Spirit. So are we to worry about this? No, God is in control. Then I go in the same version to Luke, the 12th chapter, verse 21st chapter, verse 12. They'll hand you over to synagogue or prison or bringing you before kings and governors for my namesake. This will be your chance to witness for me. And so the next three or four words I'd like you to write down, so make up your minds. Not to think out your defense beforehand. I think it's time for us to make up our minds as to whether we're going to serve God with exuberancy and faith and dedication or not. I will give you such eloquence and wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to resist or contradict it. But you will be betrayed, even by parents, brothers, kinfolk, friends. Luke, the 21st chapter, verse 20. When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, you will know that its desolation is near. When I look at the warfare that's going on in the world, the hot spot of the world right now is in the Middle East. When you look at Afghanistan and Iraq and Syria and Egypt and Iran, you're talking about an area of the world that is a cauldron of heat. And the Bible's telling us that there's going to be a day when Jerusalem's going to be surrounded. And it actually, technically, is right now. But the words that I would point out in Luke, the 21st chapter, verse 20, the three words that I'd have you write would be, you will know. You'll know. And then jumping to Matthew, the 24th chapter, verse 21. From then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. Now at that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is. And here would be the next thing I'd have you write down. Do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive the elect if that were possible. See, I've told you ahead of time. Boy, I need to run over there. Have you heard of what's going on over in Missouri? I gotta run over there because Christ is moving over there. They must be right because look at the miracles that are going on in their church or look what's happening with them. How could they be wrong? And the Bible says, do not believe it. He says, an evil and adulterous generation seeketh a sign. And if you're seeking the sign, a sign tonight, Satan is more than willing to give you one. The just shall live by faith. Mark 13, 23. So be on your guard. That'd be what I'd have you write next. Do not believe. Be on your guard. I have told you everything ahead of time. So what do I see in these verses? Caution. Not to be frightened, but to be cautious. And then I jump to Matthew, the 24th chapter, verse 26. So if anyone tells you, tells you there he is, out in the desert, 
And the words that I'd write next would be, do not go. Do not go out. Or here he is in the inner rooms. And then I'd have you write, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Now we jump back to Isaiah in our sequence. Verse 4. All the stars of the heavens will be dissolved and the sky rolled up like a scroll. All the starry host will fall like withered leaves from the vine, like shriveled figs from the fig tree. Matthew 24, jumping back to verse 29. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather the elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. We know that this is happening just before the Lord appears at the end of the at the end at the Battle of Armageddon. The earth will have such cataclysmic uh, things in nature taking place that I believe that Jesus is saying that the sun will not even be able to shine. Now, is that possible? Actually, it is quite possible. When Mount St. Helens erupted or when some of these volcanoes erupted, the ash and the clouds from the volcanic eruption were so intense that it was like night in many places. And then in Luke 21, it says, verse 25, there will be signs in the sun moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. Men will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads. I'd have you write that down as well. Stand up. Lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. The Bible says that the Lord will come for those who are looking for his appearing. Well, the earth, the Lord isn't coming from the ground. He's already risen from the dead. He's coming from above with the trump of God and the voice of the archangel and the dead in Christ shall rise up. So what he's saying is it's a time for you to stand up and lift up your heads. Look up to the heavens for that's from where your help will come from. Now learn a lesson, Matthew 24, verse 32, from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer's near. Even so, when you see all these things, you'll know that it's near right at the door. I tell you the truth. This generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. He's giving us an assurance that this earth is tempor temporary, but his word is eternal. And if God said it, you can count on it. It will happen. Now, I know that the fig tree in Scripture refers to Israel. He's the fig, they're, they're the fig tree. And I'm, I'm looking at this verse, and I'm, this is sort of a little extra, I didn't intend to say it. He says, watch Israel. When these twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. You can tell 
the seasons and the times. We can also look at Israel and see the seasons and the times of the end. In verse 36, it says, No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered into the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. What does that mean? They knew nothing. I thought the Bible said that Noah was a a preacher of righteousness. How long did he preach? Yeah, that's right, 120 years. How could it say that they knew nothing unless they chose not to retain in their knowledge those things that they had been warned about? In other words, Noah preached it over and over and over again but they chose not to listen. And he says, you know what? And I I know he's using Noah as an example of the day that I live in, that we'll be able to preach this over and over and over again, but people will still be taken off guard when it happens. That's how it will be with the coming of the Son of Man. Two will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with the handmill. One will be taken and the other left. And I'd have you write these three words down. Therefore, keep watch. Because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known on what t- at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready. Again, two words that I'd pick out of here. Be ready. Keep watch. Because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect him. Well, do you think he's going to come tonight? Well, I'm not really expecting him because I've got appointments tomorrow and I've got the clock set, and I'm just not planning on them. Well, that's the time you've got to be careful. Verse 45 says, Who then is the faithful and wise servant, whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household, to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth. He will put him in charge of all of his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master's staying away for a long time. And he then begins to beat his fellow servants to eat and drink with drunkards. In other words, because the Lord hasn't come, his master hasn't come, and he's tired of waiting, he goes back and does those first works before his salvation. He goes backward. Notice what the Lord says about that type of servant. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and in an hour he's not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and grinding of teeth. This is not a good time to backslide. This is not a good time to go backwards. And then again in the Phillips version, Luke the 21st chapter, verse 34, it starts out this way, be on your guard. See to it that your minds are never clouded by dissipation or drunkenness or the worries of this life. I didn't take time to look up the word dissipation. But I do know what drunkenness is. Drunkenness and surfeiting. Riotous living. But he also goes on to say one other word here. And this one hits us all right between the eyes. Or with the worries of this life. Are you worried? Honestly. 
Yeah, I think we can honestly say that we do get worried. We're worried about this election. We're worried about our government. We're worried that something that happened in Canada could happen here. We're worried that if somebody did what they did in Canada today and actually stormed into the White House with, and fired 300 rounds of ammunition and killed some people, that our stock market would crash, our country would go into chaos. Yes, and that's quite possible for that to happen. Or else that day would catch you as a trap, for it will come upon every inhabitant of the whole earth you must be vigilant at all times, praying that you may be strong enough to come safely through all that is going to happen and stand in the presence of the Son of Man. To be strong enough, praying that you'll be strong enough. Do you ever pray that way? Lord, I pray that I'm strong enough and that I don't falter when these things happen so that I can stand. Now I go back into the Old Testament again. I look at Joel, the second chapter. Joel says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, how many times have you heard that verse? Everyone that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Do you think it's like with a hand-folded prayer that they're calling on the name of the Lord? If we look at the verse preceding this, this dreadful day of the Lord and the signs that are taking place on the earth, they're not just playing, praying a sinner's prayer. They're entreating God for mercy. They're calling out to God with all of their heart, with all of their soul, with all of their might. In 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, verse 16. This is the Phillips version again, so it might be a little different than what you're used to seeing in the King James. One word of command, one shout from the archangel, one blast from the trumpet of God, and the Lord himself will come down from heaven. Those who've died in Christ will be the first to rise. And then we are, who are still living will be swept up with them into the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And after that, we shall be with him forever and ever. So by all means, and then I'd write these words down. Use this message to encourage one another. The rapture, the second coming, is a message that is to be preached by pastors and evangelists and teachers to encourage people to stand fast, to be strong, to be on guard, and to endure. Because if all we had was the news of the tribulation period, we'd have no hope. We'd have very little hope to cling to. 1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter, verse 1 but as far as times and seasons go, my brothers, you don't need written instructions. You are well aware that the day of the Lord will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. Can I say that tonight? We're all well aware of it. This isn't a new doctrine. This isn't a new message that we're hearing for the first time. When men are saying peace and security... Catastrophe will sweep down upon them as suddenly and inescapably as birth pangs to a pregnant woman. But because you, my brothers, are not living in darkness, the day cannot take you by surprise like a burglar. Now I'm talking to the church. You are all the sons of light, sons of the day, and none of us belongs to the darkness of the night. 
Let us never fall asleep like the rest of the world. Let us, and I record these words on, my, on a piece of paper, keep awake with our wits about us. When do people sleep normally in the night? We're not the children of the night. We're the children of the day. And then the scripture goes back to give us an epistle of correction to help counterfeit the counterfeit lies and letters that people were writing even at the time of of Paul. People were spreading lies. 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 4, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or letter supposed to have come from us saying that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way. And I'd record those words. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way. For that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He opposes and exalts himself above everything that is called God or is worshipped and even sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Paul's telling us the church Don't be concerned because that day is not going to come until the Antichrist, that that son of perdition, is revealed. Is he revealed? We may have seen him in the paper, but he's not yet revealed. Then jumping to verse 5, don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things? The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, wonders, and in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refused to love the truth and to be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie, so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. So then, brothers, and then I'd write this, stand firm and hold to the teachings we passed unto you, whether by word or mouth or by letter. Hold on to the truth. Buy it and don't offer it for sale. 1 Corinthians 1 And you have been eager to receive his gifts during this time of waiting for his final appearance. He will keep you steadfast in the faith to the end, so that when his day comes, you need fear no condemnation. God is utterly dependable, and it is he who has called you into the fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. God's faithful. He's called you. He'll preserve you. Don't be overcome with fear. And then in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, verse 25, and I'm going to read it from the Phillips version, and then I want to go back and use the King James version of this as well. The, The Phillips version says, Let us not hold aloof from our church meetings, as some do. Let us do all we can to help one another's faith. And this, the more earnestly, as we see the final day drawing near. Now, in the King James Version, actually, I I prefer this a little more, uh, in the King James, don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together as the manner of some is. But what is the the translation of why are we gathering ourselves together? Why is that it's so important? Why is it so important that we should gather ourselves together all the more? In other words, if we were meeting three times a week 20 years ago, we should be getting together more than that now as the day of the Lord approaches. Why is that important? Because we're encouraging one another in the faith. Because a lot of people, many people, are going to walk away in the church before the Lord comes. That's why it's so important for us to be close together. 
First Peter, the fourth chapter, and I am winding down here now. Verse 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever spiritual gift he has received to serve others. Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides. So that in all things God may be praised through Christ Jesus. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. You know why you have a spiritual gift? To be seen? To be acknowledged? To be recognized? To be complimented? No, you got the gift to serve. And then in 1 John, the second chapter, John writes, and this is the Phillips version again, Yes, now, little children, remember to live continually in him, so that if he were to reveal himself, we should have confidence and not have to shrink away from his presence in shame. You all know that God is really good. You may be just as sure that the man who leads a really good life is a true child of God. Consider the incredible love that the Father has shown us in allowing us to be called children of God. And that is not just what we are called, but what we are. This explains why the world will no more recognize us than it will recognize Christ. Here and now, my dear friends, we are God's children. We don't know what we shall become in the future. We only know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has heart, everyone who has at heart a hope like that keeps himself pure as Christ is pure. Paul says, hey, listen, 1 Corinthians 15, 50 to 52, listen, I'll tell you a secret. We shall not all die. But suddenly, in the twinkling of an eye, every one of us will be changed as the, as the last trumpet sounds. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised beyond the reach of corruption. And we shall be changed. Revelation 11 says, the seventh angel blew his trumpet. Now is the time for destroying the destroyers of the earth. The judgment of the wicked. But Paul goes on to speak to Phil in the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 6. I am confident of this, that the one who has begun his good work in you will go on developing it until the day of Jesus Christ. God knows how much I long with deep love and affection of Jesus Christ for your companionship. My prayer for you is that you will have still more love, a love that is full of knowledge and every wise insight. I want you to be able to always recognize the highest and best and to live sincere and blameless lives until the day of Christ. And I would write that down. To live sincere and blameless lives until the day of Christ. Second Peter 3, verse 1. I've tried to stimulate you as men with minds uncontaminated by air. Sounds like my nagging. <laughs> he says, I've tried to stimulate you as men with minds uncontaminated by air by reminding you of what you really know already. This means, and I would write these words down, recalling the words spoken of old by the holy prophets as well as the commands of our Lord and Savior given to you through his messengers. First of all, you must realize that in the last days, cynical mockers will undoubtedly come, men whose only guide in life is what they want for themselves. 
And they will say, where's this promise coming? Since our fathers fell asleep, everything remains exactly as it was since the beginning of creation. Listen to this. They are deliberately shutting their eyes to the fact that there were heavens in the old days and an earth formed by God, God's command out of the water and by the water. It was by water that this, the world of those days was deluged and destroyed. But the present heavens and earth are also by God's command being carefully kept and maintained for the fire of the day of judgment and the destruction of the wicked men. Second Peter again going to verse 7, but you should never lose sight, and I'd write those words down, don't lose sight, don't ever lose sight, of the fact, dear friends, that with the Lord, a day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. It's not that he is slow about keeping his own promises, as some men seem to think. The fact is that he is very patient with you. He has no wish that any man be destroyed. He wishes that all men should find the way to repentance. Yet the day of the Lord will come as an unexpectedly as a thief. And that day the heavens will vanish in a tearing blast. The very elements will disintegrate in heat. And the earth and all its works will disappear. In view of the fact that all these things are to be, be dissolved, notice that I'd write this down. What sort of people ought you to be? Knowing this, what sort of people ought you to be? Surely men of good and holy character who live expecting and working for the coming of the day of the Lord. This day will mean that the heavens will disintegrate in fire and the burning elements will melt. But our hopes are set on new heavens and a new earth which he has promised us in which justice will make its home. Because, my dear friends, you have a hope like this before you, I urge you to make certain that the day will find you at peace with God, flawless and blameless in his sight. It's almost like they're talking to us tonight. I feel like I'm just letting them speak through the word of God to us. And then, behold, I'm coming soon, Revelation 22. My reward is with me. And I will give it to everyone according to what he has done. I'm Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I'm the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I'm coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And I want to close tonight with something that C.S. Lewis wrote. C.S. Lewis sometimes can be a pretty... Uh, intense guy in his writings, but just let me read this last paragraph. God will invade, but I wonder whether people who ask God to interfere openly and directly in our world quite realize what it will be like when he does. They're asking God for intervention, but they really do they really know what's going to, it's going to be like when he does intervene. When that happens, it's the end of the world. When the author walks onto the stage, the play is over. God is going to invade, all right. But what is the good of saying you are on his side then when you see the whole natural universe melting away like a dream and something else, something that never entered your head to conceive, comes crashing in? Something so beautiful to some of us and so terrible to others that none of us will have any choices left. For this time, it will be God without disguise, something so overwhelmingly that it will strike either irresistible love or irresistible horror 
into every creature. It will be too late then to choose your side. That won't be the time, that will not be the time for choosing. It will be the time when we discover which side we really have chosen, whether we realized it before or not. Now today, this moment, is our chance to choose the right side. God is holding back to give us that chance. It will not last forever. We must take it or leave it. Ready or not, here he comes. Let's stand together. I sometimes feel like God is pleading with us, entreating us to stir, to refocus, not to be overcome with evil, but to overcome evil with good, to let our light shine in this generation because there's so many people that faced an eternity lost that are only one choice away. This is not a time for us to be complacent or withdrawn or to become more lax in what we do for God. It's a time for us to become more serious, more dedicated, more fervent, more faithful, full of love, using the gifts that God has given us, not only to encourage each other, but to reach out to those that God is also calling to the body of Christ. It's a great day. So don't be afraid, but be encouraged that it's our time to wake out of sleep. Lord Jesus, tonight I, I know that you've spoken to us through your word because your word is powerful, Lord. Whatever it takes, Lord, for us to see things that we... Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262 262- 965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.